Everybody doing good? Is the temperature good in here? Is it a little too cool, a little too warm? Everybody's good? Both? Okay, everybody's, all right. So we'll adjust the thermostat accordingly. Let me tell you about a gift that I got for Christmas. I got a new Bible for Christmas. Isn't that pretty? It even has my name on it. See there? Stasha got this for me, and I opened it up, and lo and behold, I didn't have to, I don't know if you know this or not, but you guys know that I've talked a little bit about how it's been harder for me to read the Bible, just age mainly. I could still read the words, but I couldn't really see the verses. And so I didn't want to rely on my glasses and putting them on and off and everything. And so I would mark in my Bible where the verse began because I couldn't really see the numbers there. My wife got me a large print Bible. And so now here's the thing. When I opened it, I was a little bit depressed. But then she assured me, she said, don't worry, it's not the extra large print version. So that made me feel a little bit better about that. So, uh, then I go to, in five years, I'll be going to the extra large version. Okay, well, we'll go with this one now. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, so here we go. I want to, uh, as I was saying just a few moments ago, um, I want to get into, get, your, get our minds going into what we're going to be talking about next year. And um, of course, Glenn Burris, the president of Foursquare, this is going to be his last year as president of Foursquare. He is finishing his two-year, I'm sorry, his two terms, which is a total of 10 years, uh, we have elected our new president of Foursquare, Randy Remington, will, beginning, will be beginning in September of this year is when he starts his official role as president uh, of Foursquare. And so uh, as we're praying, you know, obviously be praying over the, the transition that's happening uh, as well. But this coming year, the focus is Jesus Christ, our soon coming king. And, uh, you know, now we're reading, if you're following through the... Um, reading through the year program. You got the little thing this morning in your bulletin to start you out next year. We're in Revelation right now, and I've been reading that and honestly studying it, and with it being Jesus Christ, our soon coming King, at some point this year, I'm trying to decide if it's going to be a Sunday morning thing or a Wednesday night thing, but we're going to go through the book of Revelation, and um, really exciting book. I know sometimes we want to steer away from that book because it's hard to read. It's confusing. What in the world is was he on something when he was writing this book by some of the images that he saw? So I want to be able to, to go through that at some point this year. But I want us to look at the idea, Jesus Christ, our soon coming king, a big focus on this is going to be evangelism, right? We want to be even more committed in our community and, and have some of those outreaches that are, that are going to be happening. Um, but evangelism is a big part of that because people need to know who Jesus is so that when he returns for his church, they can go to heaven. And what is going to be key in this, and as you're reading through the book of Revelation, a big part of that is the church. God relies on his church to spread the good news. And this should get quite a few amens too, right? God does not just depend on the pastor of the church to reach people with the gospel. As a matter of fact, you've heard me say this a lot, I'm not at your workplace. You are. I'm not in your neighborhood. You are. And so we're going to see how this morning from, uh, we're going to get into several different texts here. We're going to be in Matthew. Matter of fact, if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 16, when Jesus was talking to Peter, the whole idea of upon this rock, I will build my church, the whole idea of building the church. So I want to get into this this morning. We're going to talk about the role of the church in the kingdom of God. And this is setting a tone again for next year. We're in the middle of bowl season in about another month month and a week, month and two, 
weeks, we have the Super Bowl that's coming up. Um, last night, how many of you stayed up and watched Clemson beat Ohio State? Yeah, I didn't stay up for that one, but I heard about it this morning. And so, Clemson fans? <laughs> yeah, so we're in the middle of bowl season, football, you know, got the, the playoffs that are coming up uh, with all of that. On every field, there are three teams. And uh, we know that there's the home team, there's the, there's the visiting team that you typically have. What's the third team? The refs. Sometimes they can decide a game, can't they? Whether positively or negatively, even though that's not necessarily their role, uh, but they can, they can influence uh, a game. So you have the home team, you have the visiting team, you have the team of officials. And when done correctly, the team of, the, of officials have a very important role because they don't answer to the home team, shouldn't. They don't answer to the visiting team, and they shouldn't, right? They answer to the kingdom. They answer to the NFL or the NCAA or whatever affiliation that they're with. That's who they're answering to, that higher calling type of thing. We're using church lingo now. So that's who they answer to. They don't answer to the fans either, because if they did, they wouldn't know which way to go. If you're on Clemson side, if you're on Ohio State side, you know, you're going to have a different opinion of the refs and how they perform that game. So their goal is not to please the fans. Their goal is not to please the home or the visiting team. They are on the field, but they do not operate by its standards. They enforce, they enforce the standards. Well, look at the church for a moment. First of all, we're going to see this morning, we do not belong to this world. But how often, especially in these days, have we seen the church conforming to the political system of this world, whether it be Republican, Democrat, or Independent, right? We see the church in many ways that are, that are conforming to the world. We are like the referees, the honest referees, the ones who are following the rules and enforcing the rules. We are supposed to be like this in our world because we don't belong to the world, we are, the, we are what the officials in athletics are. The church should be in history. There's a battle that goes on every single day for the souls of men, right? You see that happening every day. You have family members who may not know Jesus, and you can even see the war within them because maybe they come to you and they'll say, well, I don't know about this. I'm not really sure. Gabe has a, a friend that uh, just moved, actually, uh, still stays in contact with, but Gabe has had several conversations over the past two years with this young man, and he's like, well, I want to believe, but I'm still not sure about that. You know, this young man has a war that's going on within him. Uh, and it's just a, a, really a battle for his soul that's happening. There's another field of play that we face daily in our world. And unfortunately, I think even with me, there are times that I have taken sides where I shouldn't because I'm not taking a side of the kingdom of God. I'm not the one who's there who's supposed to be officiating what does the word of God say. And here's how the church has done it. And when I say church, I mean overall, and you can see this, right? Democrat versus Republican. Um, I'm shocked, honestly, to see how some church leaders have and organizations have taken a political side and have covered up some things that should not be covered up instead of exposing the darkness for what it is. Um, I'm also, uh, you know, there are, there was a, uh, probably I think it was this time last year, 
there was a group of religious leaders that had partnered with Planned Parenthood to say that what they were doing was a good thing when it came to abortion and all of these things. The church has taken sides. Now, granted, we understand that these, there's something that's really messed up there, right? But we see where what is being even represented by the church is not accurate. We also see we have taken sides on the race issue, rich versus poor issue. But again, we have to understand as the church, we don't belong to this world. If we're honest, it does happen in the church. So what is our responsibility as Abundant Life? What is our responsibility as believers? That is to not take sides, but instead to declare the kingdom of God. Not the, not the kingdom that was President Obama, not the kingdom that is President Trump, but the kingdom of of God, not the kingdom that is this particular race or that particular race, not the kingdom that has it all together because of wealth, not this group because they are poor and they seem lazy, whatever it is. We are not to take sides in these kingdoms, but instead we are to bring the kingdom of God, which is hope, joy, peace, love, salvation for the world. Amen? We see where the divisions of men have become our divisions as well. Here's what I want us to look at as we're getting to Matthew 16. We are the church that is built upon Christ. So let's look at this. We are the church should be built upon Christ. So let's look at verse 18 in Matthew chapter uh, 16 here. And it says, uh, Jesus is talking here uh, to Peter. And he says, Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Verse 19, And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you for forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I want to break this down. So if you're taking notes, you can you know, kind of follow along with this and take down some notes because I want to break this down. It says in this passage, the word church is used for the first time in the New Testament. So I want us to understand that the whole idea of church in the New Testament right here in Matthew 16, Jesus is bringing it up. Upon this rock, I will build my church is what he's saying. Jesus is the author of the church and he establishes its meaning here at the very beginning. So Whenever something is being defined, you want to go back to the original context in which it was defined. So when Jesus, for the first time in the New Testament, is bringing up the idea about church, he defines what it is. So I want us to look at this. What does Jesus mean? Because church has become uh, to mean many different things, and, and even culturally. He, Church has come to mean things like this. Meet my needs, teach my kids, feed me spiritually, etc. Are all those good things? Yes, they are. Um, people that are reaching out, that are working together, absolutely. Church has come to mean uh, so, many, so many different things that are actually good. But again, I want us to get back to the context because we can get into those good things, but yet leave out what Jesus originally meant. Dean said this, was it three years ago, four years ago, Dean? We can be distracted by noble distractions. We have these things that come up, right? So what does Jesus mean by the church? In this passage, in uh, Matthew 16, Jesus is asking a question of his disciples when this whole idea comes up. So I want us to go back to verse 13. So you're already there. Look, at, look back at verse 13 here. When Jesus came to the re region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his, his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? This is a very familiar passage. Well, 
Uh, well, we'll stop right there, and then we'll, we'll keep going here in just a few moments. So here he's asking, who does people say that the Son of Man is? Now, they're about to give some really good answers, but aren't right answers. Verse 14, we said, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Those are good answers, aren't they? They're comparing to Jesus to some um, pretty amazing men that are in the Bible, but none of those were the correct answer. Jesus is asking the disciples, who do the people in the crowds say, say that I am? And this is who the people were saying. So Jesus changes the question here. In verse 15, he says, but who do you say I am? Now that word you there, we understand he's talking, mainly Peter is the one who answers. But if you look at the context of that word, I should say the original language of that you, it's a plural thing. In the South, we would say y'all. Who do y'all say I am? He's talking to his disciples. I know who the crowd says I am. Who do y'all say I am? Who do you all say that I am? Peter begins to answer on behalf of the disciples. Now, I wanna, I'm, I'm making this distinction here because uh, this doctrine has been built upon Peter at times, but I, we have to understand that Peter was the spokesman for the disciples. So when he's answering, and then Jesus is about to answer him back, he's not saying, Peter, I'm building my church on you, right? Peter's just the spokesman of this point. So he is speaking on behalf of the disciples. And here's what Peter says in verse 16. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's who Peter is saying here. Well, next, in the next point, we see that Jesus begins to address the theology of the church. And we're going back to the root of what it is. And look at what Jesus says in verse 17. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers in hell will not conquer it. It's a great scripture. Here's where we're going to break it down. The word Simon means pebble. What is a pebble? It's a little, it's a little stone, isn't it? Just, it's a little, little type of stone. So that's what he's saying here. The word Peter means stone, a bigger type of stone. So Jesus said, you were Simon, a little stone. Now you are Peter. You've grown up spiritually. You know, when, when God looks at me, when God looks at you, I want him to say that, You've grown spiritually. You were once this little rock, but now that now you are growing up. And he, so he says, and upon this, Peter, you're a stone, and upon this rock, I will build my church. So you have pebble, rock, and rock. And here's where I need you to stay with me, okay? Pebble is a little stone. The word stone that we're going to see here in just a few moments, it has gotten bigger, right? And then upon this rock, I will build my church. We're going to see what that other rock means in, in the Greek, what he was talking about here when, when he said this. So break it down. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, it is not likely referring here to Jesus, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church, although we understand the church is built upon Jesus. But here's what he's saying, okay? Listen to this. Stay with me for a moment. Jesus has already been affirmed by his father. So it's Jesus has already been established. And so Jesus is coming and he's saying, and upon this big rock, I will build my church. The word Petra, we're learning some Greek here today. The word Petra refers to a bunch of stones that are coming together. And that's what Jesus is building his church upon. A bunch of stones 
hewn together. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Who do y'all say that I am? And Peter answers. Jesus was not building his church upon Peter, the spokesman. The church should never be built upon a leader, ever. Should not be built upon a pastor, should not be built upon the pope, should not be built upon a denominational leader, right? So Jesus is, he's not saying this church is built on Peter. Should not be built upon a personality. God's church would be built upon his people working in his name. We are the church. We are the church that Jesus has assembled, that he has brought together, that he wants to build his church upon. Let's keep going here. Our memory verse is 1 Peter verse 2, 5. It's up on the screen. Let's read this together. It says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more? You are his holy priests. Now, we don't always feel like it. I believe, uh, was it Sarah, Mr. Stowe, said, Mr. Stowe said that this morning, that we don't always feel like the holy priests of God. But people who, are, who have called upon the name of the Lord, he has called us that. You are a gener chosen generation, a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood that you should show forth the praises of God. Jesus is building his church. That word church means called out ones. You have been called out to proclaim the name of Jesus. You have been called out to build the church of Christ. How do we do that? Through witness, through sharing of the word, through sharing of our story, through sharing of the, uh, the experience that we've had in life when Jesus saved us. I want you to look at it like this for a moment. Down front, we have this... Um, beautiful stone facade that has been put here. Tim did this, right? Tim and Larry um, worked on this when they were redoing the church. And man, it's absolutely beautiful. But as you can see here, these stones, there's quite a few of them. Tim and Larry could probably tell us how many because I'm sure it took a while to put that all together. Um, but they put together these stones. Now, individually, you know, these stones can, they can stop some things, right? But they can't really, on their own, uh, they may be able to stop a few things or hold up certain things. But when these stones are all put together, this has now become a wall. It has become a force. You know, that's the church in the kingdom of God. We have been called together, put together. We are his church. What this verse is talking about. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. We have been put together to represent the kingdom of God and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I can probably pick up one, maybe five of these stones. I don't know exactly how heavy they are, right? But this whole wall together, I doubt I could pick it up all by myself. Why is that? I cannot prevail against that. When the church is united and has come together and has been hewn together, what an amazing force for the kingdom of God. Do you know what causes us to not be put together like this? Well, I don't want to be tied to you because you're Republican. I don't want to be tied to you because you're Democrat. I don't want to be tied to you because you're white. I don't want to be tied because, to you because you're black, you're brown, yellow, whatever. You're rich, you're poor. But God has called his church on the field of play to be hewn together, 
even despite our differences. So I cannot have my allegiance so much to a particular group that I cannot unite with the body of Christ. God has called us. God has called even abundant life. Let's bring it close to home. God has called abundant life to be even represented by this stone facade that is in front of us. We have our differences. We have our preferences. We have the way things we would like them to happen. We have political beliefs that are different. We have societal things that are different. But God has called us to be a force that is united together to advance the kingdom of God. That's why he has called us together. You are holy priests, and Jesus is building his church. As the church, we are called out from something to something. So when God calls the church, we're called out ones. What has he called us out from? He's called us out from the world system, the world's way of doing things, to something different, which is to proclaim his kingdom unified, to proclaim his kingdom together. Look at this. This is, this is neat, too. Now, this is going to kind of go into a... Uh, we'll, we'll be able to understand it because of a political arena. But the original Greek word, Greek word assembly, uh, this, the idea of assembly, was made up of men and women who gathered together to make decisions of the people at large. So when this assembly would come together, they would begin to make decisions for the people at large. And what this legislative body decided would be law at that point. It would become rule. Hang with me. Those who have been saved and those who come together to assemble in the name of Jesus have authority. As we gather here today, we have authority over the kingdom of darkness. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Sarah alluded to what Stasha was talking about earlier today and what Mr. Ms. Vicky had brought about in our prayer time this morning as well and the scripture that Sarah brought. I'm kind of going off track for a little bit, so hang with me for a moment. When we, came, when we come together to worship, one of the things that Stasha said is some of us may come in here just not ready to worship because the cares of life has just weighed us down and we really want to but we're just having a difficult time. So Stasha encouraged all of us, let's all begin to worship in here because we may be lifting up someone else. See, that's the stones that are coming together. And in, you know, instead, if we all go, if one goes down, we all go down. No, in this sense, we're gonna lift everybody up. So as the church of Christ comes together and we begin to worship, the kingdom of darkness is being driven back. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know the most dangerous place to be in as a believer is to be alone? That is the most dangerous place that you can be is to be alone as a believer. When you think of the obvious of that, not coming to church. But you know, you can be sitting here today and still be alone. There's part of the church that comes together, stones that are hewn together, and we're a powerful force in the kingdom of God. Think about this for a moment. Whenever um, we have uh, coyotes that, have, that are here in North Carolina, and before Clay left, he was doing his best to not let them hurt any other hens, chickens. Think about sheep for a moment. 
when they are together, it's a little more diff difficult for the, the, the wolves, the different things, to pick one off. Usually it's the one that's out by themselves, isn't it? Think about the sheep that are tight together. I want you to relay that to the body of Christ. We need each other. And we're not all the same. God has given us different gifts. He's given us different personalities. He's given us different ways of looking at things. But we need each other and we need to be hewn together because when the Lord is wanting to build his church, right? And as he does that, he promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We don't need loners. The, the, the church does not need loners. He needs us to be together. Because he says, number four, Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So how do we know when it's his church? How do we know that, let's take abundant life for a moment. How do we know that this body that has gathered together on Sundays, on Wednesdays, different times, how do we know that the collective body is being built together ultimately upon Jesus Christ. We know that we're his church when hell is not winning. That's how we know that what we are doing for the kingdom of God, the purposes that we are achieving, that's how we know when it's built on Jesus' purpose and we're being knit together because hell is not winning. If hell is winning then we're not building his church. I'm building my idea. I'm building my philosophy. I'm building my preference. I want to be so in tune with where God is leading abundant life. I want us to be so in tune with where God is leading abundant life that hell does not have a way to prevail in that moment or in that particular instance. Because if hell is winning, we're not building his church. Are we independent stones that just happen to show up at the same location on Sunday? Or are we knit together fighting the kingdom of darkness? We can all be assembled here. Like I said, think of the sheep for a moment. You know, even the sheep, they were in close proximity. We can all be assembled here, but yet not together. And God has called us to be together. When we are together, built upon Jesus Christ, doing his work, doing his mission, we're going to see differences in our lives, in our family, within our church, within our community. And the gates of hell, the kingdom of hell, is not prevailing against what God is wanting to do. Have we seen at times where we're losing ground, sure. You're going to see that, right? That's, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There will be times where we are, we'll see where the, the kingdom of darkness may be trying to get a foothold in and is winning. What is our responsibility as believers? To stand, to unite together and say, you know what, we recognize where this is happening. Just like this morning, there may be some that are coming in that are just so weighed down by burdens, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to lift up our brothers and sisters. In Christ, And so as we began to worship today, you could feel it spread. Just even in you know, the, the numbers that we have here this morning, you could feel it begin to spread. So are we independent stones that just happen to show up at the same location on Sunday, or are we knit together fighting for the kingdom, I'm sorry, fighting the kingdom of darkness? Are we a group who have 
legislative authority in the Spirit. That's what this whole idea, going back to the church, ecclesia, the called out ones, uh, the Greek word made up of women and men gathered together to make decisions for the people at large. They were representatives and they had authority. You are a representative. We are a representative of the kingdom of heaven and we have authority in Jesus' name. When we are knit together, we can see the kingdom of darkness pushed back. So why is church important? Our problem in the world today is not the culture around us. Does the culture around us have a lot of problems? Are they coming against the church? Sure, they're coming against values. They're coming against all these things. But you know, that's not really the problem today. Because here's how I can say that. The culture has always been an issue. People who don't know Jesus, who don't serve Jesus, is always going to be opposed to God. The Bible even says that. If you don't know me, you're an enemy of mine. Before you knew me, you were an enemy of mine, right? So the culture has always been an issue that's there. It's always been consistent in its darkness. We, we look at the, the things that are going on today and how, how horrible these things are. You know, we heard of a shooting last night at Concord Mills. 13-year-old was killed, and we think, oh my goodness, how in the world could this happen? Uh, we see just the... Uh, human trafficking, the drug crisis, all of these things, right? So culture has, it, it, it didn't just recently get bad. Culture has always been consistent in, in its evil. The problem in our world today are churches that are not legislating the kingdom of God. What do I mean by that word legislative? Again, we're not talking Republican, Democrat, political type of thing. We are talking a group of believers who come together, don't just show up at the same location, but come together, are hewn together like this stone wall that we see here, and we are advancing the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. What I mean by this, our problem in our world is our churches that are not legislating the kingdom of God because typically you will see, and I'm sure this still goes on. I know when I was growing up, there was a big argument, and you, you this is an easy one to pick off, but arguing over the color of the pews, the color of the carpet, those type of things that uh, churches tend to go. But at times, preferences can rule the church. Race can rule the church. Politics rule the church. We need for Jesus Christ to be Lord of the church so that his kingdom is advancing. Lord, what is your will? What are you saying to us? How many churches are there in the United States of America? A bunch. How many are in Iredell County? A lot. How many are in Mooresville? You just have to drive 115 here, Main Street. Uh, there's a ton of churches just in this stretch right here. So many churches. Yet, the kingdom of darkness seems to be winning, doesn't it, at times? I mean, when you look at reality, it looks like it's winning at times. We will know that it is his church when the gates of hell are no longer prevailing against it. Now, I understand this, that there's going to be evil in the world until Jesus returns. I, I totally get that. There's going to be evil in this world. But what about the circle that's around us? What about the people that we influence? Now, we are knit together. You know, tomorrow, well, let's see, tomorrow's Monday. Not everybody has to go back to work. It's kind of the holiday season, but Mike's going to go to his place of employment. 
Matt's going to go to his place of employment. You got to go to work tomorrow. Doug's going to stay home and do nothing. Oh, you probably got a honey-do list. You got to go to work tomorrow. Dean's going to go to his place of employment. You don't know? We're all going to go to our different places tomorrow. Even in our places where we are kind of spread out, see these moments here, why is the church so important? Because we have come to unite together, and as we do go out, we're going in a united fashion. And so when someone comes up to Mike and says, hey, you know, I know you're wiring that electrical thing there, but when you get to a safe place and don't electrocute yourself, can we talk? All right, so Mike finishes up his job, and the guy says, I've been dealing with this, and I know you're a Christian. Why is this able to happen? We unite together under one purpose, and that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to advance his kingdom so that as we go out, there's still that united factor that's happening. And we see the church advancing at the Charlotte airport. You're still there, right? That's where your group is, the airport? You'll be going back there, yeah. So when he goes back there, when Dean goes to Davie County up there, right? We're advancing the kingdom of God because we are united into his purpose. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. God is looking to see what his church is going to do. Think about that for a moment. Guess whose hands God has placed the responsibility of his church advancing? Ours. Ephesians 3.10 God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. I feel I need to read that again so I can capture it good. I want us all to capture it good to think about what this is saying. So what was God's purpose in all of this? saying, giving you the keys to the kingdom, all this. His purpose was to display his wisdom. God wanted to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the, seen world, all the unseen world and authorities and in heavenly places. Who was he going to use to do this? God wants to use the church to display his vast wisdom to the unseen world. That is the enemy attack that comes against us individually, that comes against the church. God wants to use you and me. United together, we can do it, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church, the church that comes together. We must be ready to act. We must be ready to lay aside preferences, politics, and personalities. Second, Second Peter 3.9 says it this way, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is wanting to use his church. So when we see people who aren't, you know, we see society winning, we see evil winning, we see the gates of hell, and we think, God, why can't you come quickly? Here's what he's saying. Church, why don't you act? David, why, you know, unite, <laughs> join arms, link arms, come together, be in unity, and advance the kingdom of God. Bring the gospel, not to the whole world, although that's, that's our goal, and Jesus does say to his church, take the gospel to the whole world. We can't go everywhere, can we? But we can go to the place that God has assigned us. 
Just like I was saying, Mike's going to go to his place of work. You're going to go to your place of work. And in that, we're advancing the kingdom of God. God is waiting on his church to act. He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Keys unlock doors and give access. That's what keys do. When I have my keys to the fellowship hall, I have access to the fellowship hall. When keys, this key gives me access to the sanctuary, I can get into the sanctuary. God says, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm just wanting, I'm speaking to me, I'm speaking over us. I want us to be those people who are binding the evil and loosening the kingdom of God over the little real estate that we have responsibility for because God has given us access. And it sounds scary. I understand all of that, right? At times it can, Lord, how in the world? But he's given you the keys. He's given you the authority. You're acting on his authority, not on your own. Keys unlock doors and give access. Next year, we'll hear a little bit more on the 12th. We'll hear a little bit more about clear vision for 2020. I'm just wanting to get our minds thinking. I'm wanting us to, to point in the direction of, Lord, we hear your voice clearly. We know what you're saying to the church. We want to see the kingdom of God advance and the kingdom of darkness stopped. And how we do that is by being knit together upon this rock, this stones, you know, you're a stone, you're a stone, you're a stone, you're a stone, you're a stone. All different shapes and sizes that are represented here. All different in our spiritual growth. But they are knit together. Here's another thing that happens that's pretty interesting. Okay, don't laugh. I'm not the same size person <laughs> that I was when I was Nathan's age, physically. But I'm talking spiritually. We will grow. I, was, I think you were bringing this up at our Tuesday morning thing where we were having. We're going to have to adjust. You know, I, maybe I used to fit in this area, but I don't fit there anymore because I ate too much cake or something. Now, I've grown. Uh, this, this has happened. That has happened. God has redirected plans. God has redirected purposes. You know, we cannot be scared when God redirects where we fit. We can't be scared of those things. In fact, I think we need to embrace them. Because I used to fit right here. But, you know, God has started to shave some, you know, we're going to start that 21 days of fasting. I'm hoping, obviously it's a spiritual thing, but there's a physical thing that happens, right? There's going to be things that are shaved off of us. There's going to be areas that are, uh, as, star, as um, iron sharpens iron, you know, that whole idea of chiseling off. There's going to be areas where God chisels off things, and I may not fit the way I used to right here, but instead I need to be right here. See, the church is a living organism, just constantly moving. My prayer is that you are not the same person that you were last year. I pray that in some areas that you have grown. I pray that in other areas that you have been chiseled. I pray that in many areas I have grown. I pray that in other areas I have been chiseled away. Let's be open and willing to hear, God, what are you saying? And how can the kingdom of God be advanced 
through my life, through abundant life, and what you're doing here. Amen? Amen. Lisa, will you come on up? Let's stand together. And I want us to pray. Here's how I want us to pray today. God, will you help, help me grow? I want you to make yourselves available in a couple of areas today because we're the church of God who's gathered here at Abundant Life. Everybody um, you know, has a place. Everybody has a purpose. But I want you to pray, God, what is your will for me? I look back over this past year and I'm looking ahead to 2020 now. What is your will for me in 2020? What purpose do you have for me? Pray that God would grow you in certain areas. Lord, wherever you would want to stretch me to grow, God, I give you freedom to do that. I, I, I'm not going to limit. I'm not going to say no, God. I'm gonna, you know, Lord, have your way. And then other, Lord, there's, there may be areas that you need to chisel away at my life. There's some things, there's some habits, there's some ways of thinking, maybe even good things that, you know, it's just, it's time for it to be pruned. Lord, I give you permission to do that as well. Can you just take a few moments and... God, prepare our hearts for this next year. Just in your own words.